Hey there, welcome to this edition of The Shaleen Show, recorded live from my car with you in the passenger seat. So put your seatbelt down because we're going for a ride. Excuse me, I have to interrupt today's conversation to say something really important. And it's something you know, you know this to be true. And that's the diets don't work. They never have and they never will. I want to tell you about a program that I've been working on for more than two years, a program that got to the bottom of why it is most diet information is so conflicting and it changes every day and it's so confusing. And more importantly, why 95% of people who go on a diet actually gain all the way back and then some. The 131 is not a diet. It's a method. It's a movement, a revolutionary movement that is proving that weight loss is possible by resetting your metabolism. The key is diet phasing. And here's the deal. Over 25,000 people participated in the testing of this program, and the results are jaw-dropping. Diet phasing can free you from dumb dieting, like the rules, the stuff that's been brainwashing us and destroyed our metabolism. Listen, the $20 billion diet industry does not want you to know this stuff, but you need to know it because we can't keep doing this. You deserve to be healthy. You deserve to be able to effortlessly control your weight and you deserve to feel amazing. There is a way to do this. There's a way that doesn't involve dieting or beating up your body with hours and hours of exercise. I want to share my story with you. Please learn more about it by going to 131movement.com. Again, that's 131movement.com. Write it down, visit the website, and thank you so much for allowing me to interrupt. Back to today's conversation. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. I have permission to share this story from my daughter, Sierra, and I'm really, really excited about that because I know this is going to be very helpful. I know it is, and it's going to be helpful because it was challenging, and we got through it, we survived it, we conquered it, and I know this is something that so many families face, and maybe even if you don't have a family, I wonder if you haven't had an experience in your own life that you can relate to this story. So to take it all the way back. My husband, Brett, he's an incredible athlete. We didn't meet in high school, we met in college. He played football at Michigan State. He actually started playing football at UCLA. He was the youngest starting quarterback at UCLA. I love to brag about my husband. And he had scholarship offers to Big Ten and Pac-10 schools for both football and basketball, which is crazy. But he was you know, much more talented at football, specifically in the quarterback position. And I tell you that because he comes from a long line of athletic champions. Like his brother played in the NFL for many years, played quarterback at USC. His father, Bob Johnson, is the winningest, second most winningest high school football coach next to the head coach at De La Salle. And that's with Bob taking 10 years off to watch his two boys play football. Great-grandpa was also an incredible athlete, and so were all the uncles and cousins, and I mean, first cousin, second cousin, like everybody on the Johnson side is like a primo athlete. And then there's my genetic contribution. Just kidding. Well, I mean, 
let's face it, <laughs> I never played a sport long enough to ever even know if I was good at it. I think I've shared this with you before that like, my parents were totally down with us trying anything for a minute and also quitting. And also not like following through. Like there were times I remember like, they just forgot I had practice and I forgot I had practice and we had a swimming pool that summer and I remember going, oh, I had baseball or softball practice. I forget which one I was playing and I missed it. And my parents are like, oh, okay, well you can go tomorrow. You know, it's just like, that would be mind blowing in my husband's family because they're coaches and they're athletes. So like to think about missing a practice because you're in the pool, like that would never happen. All this just to tell you that you know, when you are a part of a legacy, there is this, whether spoken or not, there's this kind of implied expectation that you're going to follow in those footsteps. Brett coached quarterbacks after he graduated from Michigan State before we started working together full time. And, you know, oftentimes he would coach legendary quarterbacks and their sons would come to camp. And as you might expect, oftentimes their sons were good, but they weren't legendary. And I always felt like so bad for those kids, like, you know, not to name names, but if you think of the most famous quarterbacks that are still living today, the names that come to mind are the names who probably had sons coming to my husband's quarterback camp. And I always thought, gosh, man, to be in those, in the shadow of a great like that must be pretty challenging, a lot of pressure. So our son played and still does play college football and we were really cognizant of the fact that he would feel that, especially that need to be a quarterback and need to play football. So we took him out of football for about four years or five years, maybe it was four years, just to really, number one, make sure this is what he wanted to do. And also to help him just develop some other sports and other activities so he would you know, just he, he'd be able to make that decision himself. Not like I love football, but he also never experienced anything but that. And Sierra played a lot of different sports. She was always great, always phenomenal, like one of the best. But if she wasn't the best, like the best, I noticed a pattern that she was like, yeah, I'm over this. And she would move on to the next sport, which we never let her kids quit in the middle of a season up until recently spoiler alert but we always said you know finish your commitment if you don't like it you don't have to play next year right because those are team sports and if you quit in the middle of the season you're not just letting yourself down that's doing I think a great disservice to your teammates you've made a commitment you got to follow through on it but we let her jump around like even if she was really good at something even though it was our instinct to say why would you quit? You're so good at this. You could get a scholarship in this. You know, we felt that she definitely could have gotten a scholarship in soccer and any sport she picked up. She was great. If not the best, you know, one of the top, two or three. But if she wasn't the best, she moved on. Eventually she moved on to track. And in track, Sierra, same thing. You know, not the best, but one of the top two or three. And in fact, she was at a very competitive girls high school track team here in Mission Viejo, California. Earlier this year, they were the number one ranked 800 meter girls team. And Sierra also ran the 800 meter individual as well. And really, really devoted herself. Now I noticed 
that her personality kind of like started to change. Her personality changed around track and training. And I didn't like it. Didn't know how to approach it. Didn't know how to put my finger on it. Wasn't sure like, okay, is this a teenager personality thing? Or is this because of track? Or is this kind of behavior something that we're doing that's making her act this way? So let me describe it. She would get kind of short, quiet, incredibly focused, and hyper-focused on the things she felt she needed to do in order to be her absolute best when she ran. But I don't just mean when she ran for like an event or a race. I mean, if she was thinking about running, she was stressed about what time do I need to go to bed? What time do I need to eat my next meal? How heavy is that gonna be on my stomach? Have I had enough protein? Is this the right amount of fruit? Have I stretched enough? Have I lifted enough? Have I, like she would never ever skip even a single or half of a rep. She asked for her own trainer to train outside of and in addition to what they're training for her high school. And she came to Brett and I one night kind of crying about it. And she's just like, you know, I just want additional coaching. I want to be the best. I've got to work harder than everybody else. I really want to do this. And we're like, absolutely. So we supported her in that. But we also kept trying to remind her that she didn't have to do it to please us and she didn't certainly didn't have to be number one, number two, number three. Or she didn't just run for fun. She can just run to stay healthy. Like we kept repeating that, but I know she was not hearing the message. And her behavior got more and more almost compulsive or controlling. Right? So I, I worried even like, gosh, could this lead to an eating disorder? Because moms, you gotta watch. An eating disorder isn't about trying to lose weight. An eating disorder is about control, like wanting to control and eating, feeling like you're out of control. So then if there's this one area that you can control every little tiny bite, calorie, etc., then that feels like you're in control. And so I feared that might happen. I had her speak to a therapist. That was like a couple of years ago. All good. You know, then I was really carefully monitoring her and girlfriend eats a ton and and just knows so much about food. She's a senior and by the way, already been offered a scholarship to run for San Diego. But she didn't seem as excited about that as you would expect her to be. Man, you train all these hours your whole life to get a collegiate scholarship as a girl? And I'm saying that because it's even more rare to get a scholarship offer, not a full ride scholarship, but to, for her to receive any kind of a scholarship, but that's a pretty rare thing to a pretty major school. Like, dude, this is a big deal. But I could tell it was not. And then she said she wanted to start looking at even more difficult schools for her to get on their track team. Schools that Brett and I were kind of saying like, you know, as her parents, like, oh, the, you know, this is a wonderful goal. But I mean, when it comes to track, it's just your time. It's not like they're looking at your personality or your work ethic or any of those things. They just look at your time. And girlfriend didn't have the kind of time she needed to be able to get a scholarship from UCLA, which meant she would have had to drop her time considerably. And then she started having foot pain, plantar fasciitis. And then that turned into having panic attacks while she was at track. And she called me one day, just crying hysterically. And this is a girl that does not cry. 
but she's tough as friggin' nails. And I'm like, what is going on? But she's very honest and very self-aware. So she's just like, I don't know. I can't breathe. I don't know why I'm so upset. I just am so upset. And she kind of was explaining how like so-and-so was running faster than me. And then I just started thinking about it. And then all these obsessive thoughts were going through my head, going through my head. And just, you know, all these negative thoughts about what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And then I just can't get out of this loop. I can't get out of this loop. So we kind of dealt with that for a little bit. Maybe a couple weeks trying to figure out, me trying to help her figure out like how to break that loop pattern, suggesting that we get her into a therapist to help her with performance, especially performance EMDR, so she can kind of break that, you know, internal dialogue. But I also noticed she just was really, really unhappy and overwhelmed. And I finally had a conversation with her and I said, why are you putting all this pressure on yourself to get a scholarship or to even get on the team at UCLA. I mean, Sarah, you already have a great school that wants you. And she said very honestly, it's just, it doesn't make people have a reaction. I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, look, I think if I said to people that I was going to UCLA, that's just really impressive. I'm just being honest. Like, it just doesn't feel big enough. I need it to be bigger. And I was like, wow. Wow, first of all, this is so huge that she already can like put words and can be very honest about what her motivation was. Like it's to impress others. It wasn't for herself. It wasn't because that's my lifelong dream to go to that school. I think it's the best program. It was none of those things. It was because I want to do it for other people. So we dug into that and I just said, listen, Who do you need to impress? And she said, well, like anyone. And this is her word. She said, like, I just want like, you know, like dad and Brock and grandpa and Rob. That's her uncle. I just want them all to just, I don't know, think I'm a badass. And I said, honey, (laughs) everybody in our family has known you are a badass since you were like three. Because you can't hide it. You just are. And you will be no matter what you do. It doesn't matter what color your uniform is. So get rid of this pressure. It won't change the way anyone sees you or feels about you. Especially the important people in your life. And that kind of worked. That helped a little bit. But she was still just really, really tormented. And each night for about a week, she just you know, broke down crying or on the brink of tears. And we were sitting in the kitchen and I said to her, and I said this just kind of hypothetically, just to see, like, let me just test the waters and see how she responds to it. And I said, Sierra, your mom and dad, we love you no matter what you do. And obviously we think you're a badass. And no matter what it is you pursue, you'll do it in a way that no one else has done before. So if you want to quit track, quit track. Like if you hate running, if running makes you miserable, if this is how you feel right now in high school, girlfriend, you have no idea, but it's going to be like this, but worse in college. So you better love running. And she looked up at me, her eyes were all red and puffy. And she said, I hate running. I said, you hate running? She's like, I hate it so much. I hate every minute of it. And I said, you're kidding. Why? And she's like, I never have liked anything about it. It's just, 
it became my identity. Like, you know, I just love that people found that out about me and, you know, it's what everyone asked me about and so I feel like I have to do it. I don't know what else people would know me for and I said, well, who cares what people know you for? You don't have to do this and if you really hate it, why would you be running in college? And she goes, okay, I want to quit. And I was like, oh, don't tell dad I told you like at first I kind of was like oh crap oh man I put this idea in her head I didn't mean to you know what I mean but then I'm like I just wanted to support her and I'm like honey your senior year in high school you should be enjoying every minute of this you know let's just say you're a phenom would you want to run after college she's like no I don't even want to run in college and I said well then what do you want to do I just want to create and I want to do art and I want to, I just love fashion. And I love, I just love all of that and design. And she's like, and I don't know what it is, but that's what I want to do. I don't want to have anything to do with running or coaching or sports or anything after college. And I said, well then, honey, I, I don't know that it does make sense that you're trying so hard to get a scholarship. And, and if you don't want to run, don't waste your time going to a school just to run there. Let's pick the right school for you to go to. So here's what we did. I said, I think we need to get you into a therapist. And so it's you're not worried about what your mom thinks or what your dad thinks or what anyone thinks or what your coaches think. And you're not dealing with emotion. You can just have an unbiased party to help you sort through your thoughts. She agreed. So we sent her to her first therapist. And she was like, yeah, no, no not her I was like okay so then we sent her to a second therapist and she loved her and after two sessions she just said guys thank you for supporting me I know who I am and I'm not worried about what people think about me and I never want to run ever again and just her saying that her face changed like her face lit up, her shoulders pulled back. It was like, it was like this heavy weight had been lifted from her shoulders. I'd never been so happy in all my life or so proud because she was so certain and so confident and not tormented. All those conversations we were having in the kitchen and all the times I was trying to calm her down after practices and the way that Brett and I would scramble around just to make sure that she, you know, even in the two years prior to her making this decision, I just remember like, oh, we got to get home because Sierra wants to get exactly, you know, nine hours and seven minutes of sleep. You know, we got to, oh, we got to make sure she's eating. Like we, we were doing everything we could to try to keep kind of like playing into it, the, the control that she felt she needed to have because of this this belief, right? So by the way, her belief that she went to therapy on, um, and by the way, I have her permission to share all this. She said she was cool with that because she knew it would help some of you, I hope. Uh, her belief was that she wasn't good, wasn't good enough. Like nothing would ever be good enough. So even if she was a great runner, her belief was that all the other runners were better runners, naturally. So in her mind, that meant she had to do every possible thing extra and never skip a beat or she would be at either a even a further disadvantage so her belief was even when she got a you know collegiate scholarship that 
offer that it still wasn't big enough. It wasn't good enough. It just wasn't enough. You know, it makes me wonder, even if she had got a scholarship to UCLA, would that have been enough? Probably not, you know? And so, anyways, going to therapy allowed her to embrace the fact that she doesn't didn't have to hang on to an identity that she didn't identify with, that she is great and is good enough and she doesn't need to prove anything to anyone because she already knows it herself. I mean, how awesome is that? And you know what this therapist told me? Because I talked to her before Sierra had her session. She said, well, I just want you to know that I, I saw a young girl the week before, a very similar issue. And her parents brought her in. She was a competitive gymnast, also in high school, and really wanted to quit gymnastics, even though she had a scholarship. And she goes, I just want to be very clear that those parents were irate with me because I did the session with their daughter, and their daughter was still very much committed to quitting, and that the parents had come basically to have me, you know, talk her back into doing gymnastics and they were so disappointed and weren't going to let her quit and I thought how horrible I'm sorry like listen this is just going to be my opinion and I don't mind if you get offended but I would like to share my opinion because I hope that it will save someone's child I think it is about you when you need your child to have that identity and you have to recognize that it's not your life and it's not about what people think about you it's how your child feels about themselves and we we put a lot of pressure on our kids to follow in our footsteps and to be perfect and we're not doing them any favors by doing that by forcing them to believe that there's something wrong with them if they're not a certain weight or if they if they don't play a certain instrument if they're not lead in the play or if they're not playing the sport that you expected them to play and or if they're playing that sport if they're not performing the way you think they have the potential to perform i watched a track meet where there was a dad who Second his daughter finished racing, he would sprint to the finish line and say to her, What happened? What are you doing? Man, why did you give up? Can you imagine? I wanted to punch his head off. All he's doing is destroying his daughter. Parents, you gotta let your kid be who they were meant to be. And we're gonna figure this out sooner or later anyways. You didn't figure it out until you were in your 30s right 40s maybe maybe you're still doing things because it's what people expect of you and you're afraid to do that thing that you know deep down inside you're good at it's your passion it's your love it's your purpose it's your it's your talent but you're afraid to do it you're afraid to go to the school you want to go to you're afraid to study what you wanted to study right because you didn't want to disappoint your parents And I'll tell you what, I am just so proud of my kid. I'm so proud of her for deciding to make this decision because if you don't love what you're doing, that's going to come out later and it would not have been good. You know what I'm saying? So what is she doing now? Girlfriend has decided to go to the Fashion Institute here in LA. It's called FITM and uh, she's going to study visual 
communications, visual arts, I think it's called visual arts, visual communications, basically stuff to deal with video and interior design and art and fashion, etc. Listen, it doesn't matter to me what she studies. The kid is going to be incredibly successful. I've always told my kids, I don't care what grades you get. I don't. As long as you understand how to solve problems and help other people with that, you will be incredibly successful, right? Because that's what's most important, number one. Number two, you do you and always have a backup plan. Don't just put all your eggs in one basket. Don't attach yourself to one identity. And other than that, I know these these kids have already made their mark on the world and I just need to be their mark, not my mark. You know what I'm saying? And I hope that you'll do the same. I hope that you'll allow your kids to be individuals. I, th- I hope that you'll give them the space to tell you that they don't love something. I hope that you'll hug your kids and let them know they could never disappoint you, no matter what. And let's put a little less pressure and more responsibility on your kids. That's what I would say. Let them make decisions. Let them know what the negative consequences could be, but also let them fail. And and also explain to them how they're going to need to fix it. Don't fix it for them. Don't bubble wrap them. Allow them to figure out how to deal with pain and hardship and difficult conversations. Like this was such a good lesson for Sierra. She had to figure out like, now how do I explain this to my coaches who I love? And how do I explain this to, you know, the recruiters I've been talking to? And how do I explain this to other people? And she had to figure out how to do that. And I just said, the only way to do it is to be honest. Because anything other than honesty is a story that you're going to have to keep track of. And that's just not fun. You know? So just tell the truth and you always come out ahead. No no one ever faults you for telling the truth. You know? And, And everyone likes honesty. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. And I want to say to my daughter, if she ever happens to listen to this, which I really kind of doubt she ever will, but if she ever does, girl, oh my gosh, you make me so proud. I want to grow up and be just like you. I love you.